When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cavalry Audio. All right. Welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. Thank you so much for listening to us and for all the feedback that we've gotten. Uh, you know, we really appreciate the questions because they form some of our podcasts. So the frequently asked post-op questions, I think, you know, we had to split into two because we had so many. And I think it's great. Keep it coming. Absolutely. We love your feedback. Um, if you think we're funny or boring or whatever <laughs> you think, we're happy. Um, constructive criticism is great. Yeah, this is um, we are here better. to hear anything you guys want to hear about. We're here to talk about. All right. So today we have a very interesting topic. I think with looking at some of the post-operative questions and, and things like that, we saw a general theme and trend. We see it in the news. There's a show dedicated to it. And today's episode is about the word botched. We hate that word. (laughs) You know, listen, I think that uh, the public should be aware. There are definitely two definitions, um, you know, when we talk about plastic surgery and botched. You know, one is the true and literal definition, and the other has been, uh, you know, kind of capitalized by the general public and i just want everyone to be on the same playing field botched means doing something that is it becomes unsuccessful because it is done poorly or carelessly it's spoiled by mistakes and this is the true definition of botched and when we look at this and we'll go into this in detail um, when we look at you know, whether or not it is an untrained surgeon or a novice surgeon or just a poor plan, uh, that's when the outcome can be labeled a, a botch. And it, I know it's difficult for the public to assess. It's uh, for the patient undergoing that procedure, everything, every type of complication, uh, it feels like it's, it's being botched. Um, but that's not the case. So I think today what we're going to talk about is you know, what truly is, uh, you know, a botched result. And we'll give you some patient examples and then versus what are normal post-operative complications. And, and listen, any surgeon that says that they do not have their own complications is lying. Hmm. It, the more surgery you do, it is just a matter of time because there are so many variables. We can be so detailed about the preoperative regimen, avoiding certain medic- medications, 
avoiding certain foods, and then afterwards to following your uh, post-op instructions and restrictions to the letter. Um, But there is the person's innate ability to heal. There are uh, secondary circumstances on what the patient does for a living. If they have uh, you know, kids that they're picking up, you know, you know, all kinds of different things. And so the, I, the idea is, um, you know, let's define these characteristics. So this isn't just a term that's thrown around because usually more often than not, what we hear someone who's coming to get a revision, I would say half of the cases, they say I was botched. And you look at the case and you say, you look at the patient, you examine them, and then you say, well, these are normal complications that can occur. Let's go into your history. Let's go into why this is being done. We look at the previous surgeon to say, okay, were they a board-certified plastic surgeon or a board-certified facial plastic surgeon? Are, Are they equipped and capable of performing these types of operations? And that's what leads us to the appropriate uh, response. You know, the idea is when someone comes to us and they say, I was completely botched by my surgeon, it's an immediate put off because we're already dealing with a very difficult situation. And if the patient is unrealistic, you're going to deal with something that's going to be even more impossible because now we've added scar tissue and a previous mindset that everything is wrong. So the goal is to be properly educated. And I think, you know, maybe we start on giving some examples. Let's say uh, we look at a potential complication. I can think of a patient who underwent liposuction. So you undergo uh, six liters of liposuction. You have someone who comes in and, and, um, you know, clearly they likely need more surgery than this. Okay. So let's say, uh, but they, they say, look, I just want liposuction. And then what complications can occur and does the patient look botched? So in the, in the common sense of the word, it's it's interesting because what you, what you said is, is the the scenario that you threw out is perfect because half the time instead of the word botched being used i think the plan was wrong many times so first and foremost the 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 one thing that you said is make sure you go to someone that's a board certified plastic surgeon that does these procedures Mm -hmm. the chances of ever being truly botched are very low because if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again you are very proficient at it you're an expert at it and the other thing you should you know in our practice we always recommend seeing multiple people because the idea is if you have the input of four surgeons and three of them are saying the same thing and one is saying oh don't worry i can get away with doing this i can do this for you you, there should be a little red flag that goes up. Now, uh, you know, unless that surgeon is subspecialized in that particular area and has done hundreds of these types of things, um, the plans can be generally the same. So, you know, these are things to start thinking of when you're uh, when you're evaluating a surgeon because it's really that's what it is. It's like you getting a home loan. You're going into multiple different uh, offices trying to get their opinions on what they can do for you. And Absolutely. Uh, you know, although the plans may differ slightly, they should be on the same track. Absolutely. And 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 how often do you have someone that comes in that says, you know, I had lipo and this is what happened. Um, and they clearly needed an abdominal plastic, mm-hmm. a, a tummy tuck. And we'll tell them that, you know, 
the one thing you'll never see out of this practice is even if somebody got completely botched, I will never look at them and say, oh my God, what did the surgeon do? No, we're not here to put other people down. That's the first thing. And there is a beautiful camaraderie amongst board-certified plastic surgeons, probably 90% of them, maybe even 95. We each have each other's backs. We've Mm -hmm. gone through a lot of training, and we're all very proficient at what we do. There are the one-offs that have complications, and there are things that go wrong. But generally speaking, we're not here to raise ourselves up by putting someone else down. That's That's the first thing. So we don't like using the word botched. We're here to help you and we're here to fix it. Now, someone comes in and had the wrong procedures, just had liposuction and needs a tummy tuck. We did one on Thursday for a lady. Looks amazing. We took the extra skin, did the right operation for her. And the procedure that she felt that was botched really wasn't. It just was the wrong thing that was done, and we took care of it. Um, Sometimes it's not as easy as that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the times where people are botched, like for example, I do a lot of breast implant-based surgery, okay? For somebody to come to, to the office because they have a capsular contracture, which is scar tissue around the breast, and to say that they're botched is really the wrong thing to say because up to 25% of the population after they get breast implant surgery, depending on whose hands, it can, you can get a capsular contracture. It is a very common complication. And so, the severity of that capsular contracture sometimes can make the breast look so crazy, but it's really the contraction of that scar tissue, and it's not the surgeon. It's not what was happened. Now, maybe we look at some of the post-op things that could be done differently to try to avoid it in the future. Absolutely. Or, or for, for example, you come in and they've had breast implant-based surgery and they bottomed out. Or they lateralized, or the implants falling too far to the side. These things happen. Nobody did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. No one botched you. It's that's a different story. Now you know you can flip the script and say I had breast implant based surgery and my nipples completely dead. That's a different story. And depending on what was done, maybe the technique was wrong. Maybe the person that was doing it wasn't proficient at it. A little bit different, you know. Or maybe there was aberrant blood supply, meaning the normal anatomy in 99.99% of the population, uh, the blood vessels come from one particular area. And let's say in this particular patient, it comes from a different area. Um, that's where you're going to run into complications and, and the surgeon would have no clue that that could happen. And, so, And if I tell you the, the amount of times that we've had someone come through and say, doctor, I need a letter from you so I can sue this doctor and make money and come back and pay you to have the procedure. Like, whoa, whoa, hold on, time out. That's not the way this works. Okay, if you're going to sue that doctor, you're going to come back and sue me and the next guy too. We're here to help people out and make people understand that First and foremost, there are risks to every procedure. Mm -hmm. Every procedure that you do, there is a risk. Even injectables, even a Botox procedure, there are risks. Now, when done in the right hands, those risks go down significantly. And that's why everyone that has plastic surgery doesn't have complications. But knowing what are just normal complications, again, and knowing what is technically a botched procedure Mm -hmm. is where we're coming in. And I'm going to just flip it because I remember clearly on Thursday afternoon because I walked into the operating room and you were doing a revision rhinoplasty. And let's talk about that because to me, that was more of a botched type of procedure. So, you know, I was going to throw out this, these little things saying, uh, you know, 
botched or or normal post-op potential complication. And uh, I would say one is a 30-year-old girl comes in. This is a patient that underwent a rhinoplasty at 16. Didn't like it. Um, you know, they took a hump down or did something like that. And then uh, nose was kind of twisted. So went back to a, sur- a different surgeon who did a revision and, uh, you know, didn't have a, a much better result. Now came to me and said, is there anything that you can do? And uh, I'll never forget, you know, the idea is you have to prepare the patient and say, look, you know, you've already had two surgeries. There's a lot of scar tissue. The potential for complications are much higher. And we have to use the appropriate support. That means that she was guaranteed um, or at least prepared for that we were going to harvest her own rib cartilage uh, to create some support. When I got into surgery, I saw why all of the cartilage had twisted and shifted and collapsed because the interesting part is many times surgeons will take pieces away to make a a nose smaller, cuter, whatever er word you want to use, but without leaving the appropriate support behind, scar tissue is extremely powerful and it's never more evident than in a rhinoplasty. So I'm going to say, in this particular case, is it botched? I think the plan was wrong. I think the plan is careless. And so the idea is when I got into surgery, it was missing all of the important areas of cartilage that needed to be there for the nose to to not even look aesthetic, just to be supported. And so I had to essentially recreate the entire cartilage, cartilaginous aspect of the nose means from the the bridge to the tip to the uh, you know what we call the ala rims these are called lateral cura um, you know f- there are all kinds of things that had to be re- created and uh, you know a surgeon who is skilled in rhinoplasty needs to be prepared for these things you have to be able to essentially recreate an entire nose from scratch because that's ultimately what I had. And you came in, you saw some of the pieces that were left. Oh my God. You know, I, I don't understand the thought process behind the previous surgeons, but again, I wasn't there. Um, you know, I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this particular plan did not, did not work out well. Now, let me do the same thing to you. Let me say botched or normal potential complication. We've got a 38-year-old patient who undergoes a rhinoplasty for the first time. We take the splint off. It looks so cute. And it comes back a few weeks later, follow up. And at six weeks, we start to see the tip slowly start to deviate off to the right side. By three months, it becomes a little worse. And then it kind of sticks in that position. Botched or normal potential complication. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after this break. I would even I wouldn't even say potential complication. I just say just normal potential post-operative sequelae. Um, unfortunately, and this is why I don't do rhinoplasties, um, <laughs> cartilage. No matter how perfectly you set it, how perfectly you do the operation, it can warp. It is a known thing. Mm-hmm. No matter how good you are, no matter how perfect it is, these are some of the subtle, unfortunately, unknowns that you you do. You perfectly set something, but then how 
a person heals is not dependent on anything else other than how they're going to heal. Sure. And you have to imagine, uh, you know, for those of you listeners that are considering undergoing a rhinoplasty, the cartilage is extremely thin. It can be flimsy. And the idea is, so I got two options. One, I can leave a ton of support behind. So I take cartilage from somewhere else. I add A-frames and beams and things like that. But now your nose feels like a rock. Well, not everybody appreciates that. Listen, by the time you're getting your third rhinoplasty, that's unfortunately the way it's going to be because uh, the scar tissue will pull your nose one way or the other and you know will we'll collapse the nose. But let's say a tiny stitch breaks. Well, whose ever fault it is. Let's say you sneezed and something snapped. Let's say uh, you know the, the surgeon, when they put the splint on, they squeezed too tight. You know, these are all potential things that can happen in something that's very intricate and detailed. So again, I, th- I would say, you know, when we looked at botched versus potential post-op complication, it's potential post-op complication. Um, now, let's say the same thing. Let's say you've got a uh, 35-year-old female. She comes to you. She's very active. She underwent a breast augmentation uh, six years ago. And when she uh, squeezes her hands together, the breasts, the implants dance all the way out to the side. The breast looks distorted and they don't look like breasts anymore. And then as soon as they release their hands, the implant drops into shape and it looks fine. Would that be botched or would that be uh, post-op complication? And we can even go into detail on that. You know, the interesting part is it's, it's very common. Uh, a submuscular implant can have significant animation sometimes, um, depending on how much the muscle's been released or how much it hasn't been released. Um, and this is something that that happens. It's and again, and it, it, and it begs a question. Sorry to interrupt. It begs a question. So now, can we blame the surgeon because they didn't release enough? Not, not or, really. You know, not again, really. I mean, again, it's one of those things you tell them. You say, this is a part of doing a submuscular breast augmentation. Some people animate significantly. Yeah, these are judgment calls based on the surgery. Some people animate a time. lot less. I mean, one of the most common things I see is patient comes in after a breast reduction or a tummy tuck. And I want to show you my results. I was botched by my surgeon. And you take it off and you look at their belly or their breast and everything looks great. There's just a really unsightly scar, um, perhaps even a keloid scar around the belly button on the actual scar. It doesn't look good. The results look good, mm-hmm. but the scar doesn't. And, you know, an amateur would be like, I can fix this. Whoever did this for you botched you. No, no, no. You healed that way. And chances are, I'll cut that out and it'll happen yeah, yeah. again. Unless you add a different variable, it will do the same And thing. some of these things are just the way an individual heals. And it's just, listen, it's tough whether or not, you know, how many lacerations do we do a year? Hundreds. Some of them come in and you can't see where the laceration was. Mm-hmm. Some of them come in and they heal poorly. We do the same thing for every single person. You know, I'll never forget. It was early in our career, and this uh, this African-American gentleman came to us. He had had a tummy tuck at a county hospital or something like that, and he had keloid scars all over it. And we looked at him. I, I definitely, and I said, you know what? We got this. We're just going to cut out the scar. We're going to put it together seamlessly, and it's going to heal well. Well, guess what? He keloided afterwards. It looked exactly the same, and I thought, oh, wow, is this a... Uh, this definitely uh, it deflated an ego, and you thought, all right, okay. 
you have to add a new variable. So we ended up revising it and then adding embrace scar therapy. And then it started to look like a great scar. But, you know, these are all potential. So let's say this botch versus potential post op complication. Let's say you've got a thin, tall, 5'8, 115 pound girl that comes to you with. 500 or 600 cc implants that now develop semastia. It looks like one breast and the implants go back and forth. Botched or potential complication? Very interesting. So this is where you can go a little bit more towards the botch mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. There are significant boundaries and there's certain, you know, very important steps we take for each operation. With a breast augmentation operation, we really, there are, a few things that we make sure that we don't breach. One is the inframammary fold. One is the medial insertions of the pectoralis muscle. One is not dissecting too laterally. Now, sometimes the inframammary fold or the lateral aspect of the breast can actually be affected by the size of the implant. Mm -hmm. So it can lateralize on its own or even bottom out. But synmastia is really a complication that's created by the surgeon. Okay, it's a very difficult thing to fix too. So that's one of those things that fall more in the botched category because the surgeon might have wanted to give her as much cleavage as possible and just kept dissecting and kept dissecting, not realizing that he's passing those hard and fast boundaries that we put for ourselves. So that's a tough one and that can be botched. Yeah, and listen, I think that that one stays right in the middle. The only thing that pushes it a little further to the botched is that when you take someone who's tall, thin, and they have a certain dimension to the chest, Mm -hmm. to add an implant that is much larger than what they can accommodate, to me is a poor plan and that's done carelessly. So when people come to us and they say, look, I want 800 cc implants, you say, okay, you have to be able to accommodate those implants. Otherwise, it's a moot point. You're going to have a complication. It is not, you know, we as surgeons have to be able to differentiate the right plan per patient. Um, Botched or post-op complication. Uh, let's say someone undergoes a, a face and neck lift. They come back to you at one week and they try smiling and all of a sudden the smile is really crooked. Teeth are stiff. They have difficulty eating, speaking. Um, and this lasts for three months. But it gets better. But it gets better. Yeah, it's just a post-op complication. Again, some of these, you have to realize something. Some of the nerves, um, especially the margin mandibular is in is in different areas for different patients it's not always in the exact same place sometimes you can get banged up during a neck liposuction procedure or a facelift um, and as long as it comes back then it's just a normal potential complication different story is if someone comes in and they can't close their eyes mm. um, they can't puff out their cheeks they can't smile properly and that lasts forever mm. now we're talking a it's a, it's a post-op complication, but it's a really, really bad one. Um, and thank God, again, you haven't had any of these. And, and most facelift surgeons that are very proficient in what they do realize that that is an integral part of this operation to be very careful and not get near the facial nerve, um, not get near the, any of the nerves that are, that are controlling the muscles of the face. Because what's the point of a facelift? 
if you've got problems. Um, mm. so, so that's a different story. But unfortunately, again, these things can happen. Um, so it's hard to just say I got botched. It's more I had the complication, unfortunately. I got another one for you. All right. So somewhat, we've got a 63-year-old female comes in, um, and she is six months out from a face and neck lift and comes back to you and says, look, I don't believe this other surgeon did a good job. I still have these uh, visible platysmal bands, and my neck skin is crepey. He botched me. Now, first and foremost, you have to see where they started. Mm-hmm. So not every single person that has an operation is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. Somebody with better skin quality that hasn't damaged it over time versus somebody who's been in the sun and smoked is going to have a different result. I don't care how good the surgeon is. It's the canvas that you're working with. So that's the first thing. We have to make sure. Now, second thing is you have to see what the surgeon did. They may have not done a platysmal plication. They may have not even done a neck lift. Might have just been a mid-face lift and didn't address those areas. So sometimes the patient may not know. So what you can do is, first and foremost, at least this is what we always do, is say, go back to your surgeon. See if they can fix it. Most surgeons, if they've fallen short for giving you your result, will turn around and try to do whatever they can to make you happy. If you don't feel comfortable, if you don't have confidence in them, different story, then you can tackle it. But generally speaking, again, platysmal bands, they can recur. They can recur quick. They can recur in 10 years. They can recur in a year. It doesn't mean you're botched. It just means that something happened and it just didn't work. Yeah. You know, uh, we could list out hundreds of these scenarios, and I think we start getting the idea that you know, botched is a, an overused term thrown around, and um, you know we just want you to be educated on it. We're not saying that if you had a complication that it shouldn't be addressed. Our first rule of thumb is we say, listen, we always redirect you back to your surgeon because they know exactly what they did. They could potentially you know, fix the problem. If I had a complication that I knew I could not fix. This is part of being board certified. I say, I am going to refer you to someone who can. Absolutely. Because it's not worth me trying to fix something that I have no knowledge of. Absolutely. So, you know, again, if, uh, you know, I I, honestly, I, I saw a rhinoplasty patient who she went to her surgeon and he did a minor revision, uh, I think maybe eight weeks later. Uh, which is very early, and then did another uh, revision at 10 months or something like that and, and still didn't get a good result. I'm thinking, all right, listen, that person, I think, was panicking. They didn't use the right uh, post-op course, the timeline that should be used. You know, listen, if the patient immediately has a rhinoplasty and smacks their nose and it's starting to lean left, it's really difficult to go back in there. Now, at one week, you probably could to try to fix something. But beyond that, you're in this post-inflammatory state where you're gonna, it's going to be like sewing wet tissue paper. You know, you're just going to cause more issues. Now, you can gently splint the nose. You can uh, manipulate the nose. You can do every, you have compression exercises, all kinds of things to help straighten it out. And then eventually at the appropriate time, which is closer to a year, that's when we have to revise. You know, things happen, but we have to deal with it in the appropriate timeline. And that's the difference between being botched 
and uh, you know having it be a normal postoperative complication. If you deviate from these normal timelines uh, or restrictive patterns, you will run into a problem. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. You know, every now and then you can get away and quote unquote get away with something. But, um, you know, when we, it's interesting, even you early in practice, we decided, all right, maybe we should uh, try to fix something earlier. It always led to a bigger problem and mm-hmm. a bigger problem. And then you say, oh my gosh, what have I done? If I would have just waited. Just always wait. Always wait. So the idea is stick to your guns for those surgeons that are out there. Uh, you know, use the appropriate timeline. And I think you'll definitely be uh, be a better surgeon for it. So no, I will say that the show itself doesn't help us because they bring people on. They're like, oh, "You've been botched. You've been botched," mm. and it, and it puts the average lay person out there that's having a procedure or have had a procedure, thinking that they've been botched. And again, guys, you know, if you go to a reputable board certified plastic surgeon the chances of getting botched are so low because they do the same procedure over and over and over and over again. Yeah. They're very proficient. They're experts at it. I think the show does a good job with some of the patients because they see um, you know, the extreme of something that could happen. But again, it all goes back to that patient planning, the operative plan. And in most of those scenarios, if you look at the show... Um, you know, I've only seen it once or twice, but, but the idea is, um, you know, for the people who look overfilled, overinjected, uh, you know, look alien-esque, it's the plan that's put into it. Now, a patient can come to me and they can ask me all day long, please do this, make my face look like a cat, uh, do this, this, and this. I will pay you whatever. It doesn't matter. In fact, I can think of one patient in particular and I'm, I'm being dead serious. When she first came to our practice, she was 23 years old, a beautiful girl, but I thought her lips were a little over-injected, and I told her, I will not add more. Left our practice, came back 10 years later, and when she walked through that door, everyone, it was like a record scratched. Uh, she didn't look human anymore. Mm-hmm. It was She was so overfilled, over-injected, uh, it, it, it took this girl who was relatively attractive from 23 years old at 33, did not look human. And this was a plastic surgeon or someone, someone injecting her in the valley uh, that kept injecting and kept injecting. I will tell you right now, and I would, would tell the person to their face, she wouldn't give me their name, but... Um, I would say that the plan was absolutely ridiculous and that it is that, that injector's fault because the first thing I said, she wanted me to come in and she was ready to pay me $100,000 to do a rhinoplasty and a brow lift. And I told her, I'm sorry, I cannot do this. One, you don't require it. And two, you need to get all of this filler removed by the person who's injecting you. And if they chose not to do that and you are willing to do that, I will take it out. And she kind of uh, took a step back. And I think, um, you know, I haven't seen her since. So yeah. she, I think, was, was, was finding another surgeon who will do it. And if... Somebody if will do someone, it. someone will do does it. it here, honestly, shame on you because... Um, 
this poor girl clearly has uh, body dysmorphic disorder. So, you know, this, this specialty is here for a reason. Plastic surgery is there for a reason. We're looking for aesthetics, cosmetics, but it's for the person who it's preventing them from being their best self, not from creating deformities and doing all these crazy things. So that, in my opinion, was a botched scenario, um, you know, because of the, the patient wasn't adequately evaluated and the plan was wrong. Yeah, and 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 it, a lot of what's on the show is very much like that, though. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. that have been done to really make people look grotesquely different, and now you have to fix those. And and it's not necessarily botched if you go and ask somebody to do something new. Now, now shame on them if they're doing it, but a lot of them is are they're like that. Somebody wants to be triple Q breasts and things like that. Again, we're here as plastic and reconstructive surgeons to make you the best of you personally, and, and I know for Dr. Lakey as well, and, and Dr. Resida, who's in our practice, we're not here to change you. We're not here to, to make you somebody completely different. In my opinion, that's more botched than anything else. Um, but really, just, just going back on all of this, remember guys, there are potential complications with every procedure that we do. If those complications happen, go back to your surgeon and say, hey, can you fix this? Now, if you've got a breast reduction and your breast looks significantly different after the surgery, one nipple's pointing one way, the other one's pointing the other way, scars are significantly different, yeah, then that's a different story. But if there are things that are potential, hey, a wound opened up, you had a keloid, your, your, uh, your breast implants are a little harder, your nose shifts a tiny bit, platysmal bands come back, things that can be fixed, in my opinion, it's not a botched job. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be careful. Number one, I think, it, again, it, it hurts your, your surgeon's feelings when you say that to them. Um, and, and the other thing is just know that, that, that most of the time what people are calling botch is really not botched. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, again, I hope we have uh, taught you something, the difference between botched and potential post-operative complication. Those are those should not be used synonymously. And um, the idea is that, uh, you know, it all goes into careful planning and uh, assessment of the patient. And so, you know, if there's any patient out there undergoing a surgery that uh, has not seen their surgeon, uh, I would definitely have a red flag because uh, the idea is a surgeon should put their hands on you, see and evaluate because it's all very important. So uh, again, thank you for listening, spending your time with us. Uh, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Port. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.